This podcast contains swear words and two brothers discussing how to make their behavior fit their beliefs. It seems polite to warn you. Hold the phone. We're live. Coming to you from Columbus, Columbus Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> and Denver, Colorado. Colorado. Get excited about the place where you live. What up? Seriously, though, it is nice. How does uh, Margaret sound? Margaret sounds like a, like a beautiful, voluptuous 1920s woman with just a full body lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> full body lingerie yeah. like what are we you know like it actually covers the whole like body they're wearing like a one piece showing the ankles yeah oh i get you yeah get margaret you. get it i think i'm gonna sing this song again to start us Let's off. do it i'm, I'm yeah, ready here we go sound where we explore the music that people like and learn to love the music and people that we explore welcome brother gus stoked to be here i have an idea that i want um anyone who listens and maybe we just need to ask friends and family if i could send them like a practice track or something just like record yourself along with this track singing this and then i could have a theme song that was like hundreds of different people's voices Layered. eventually tune in it i feel like that would be kind of cool i love that man who's saying your theme we'll song everybody everyone as many people as possible it. every fan <laughs> so the more people come on the more that's actually the how thicker it you gets. can't listen to the podcast until you send us a recording that's we're not charging <laughs> that's money the price. but you gotta send right 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 it. right that's funny let's talk about the implied for me let's just All jump right. right in yeah let's do it the implied for me says that every statement of preference you make, pizza is the best, Beyonce is the best, um, Nickelback is the worst. You could put an implied for me after each one of those statements to really contextualize what you're saying, right? And sometimes you react negatively to somebody else saying, I love cheesecake. And to you, you think, well, when I eat cheesecake, it kind of like, I think I'm lactose intolerant or something. It makes my mouth make me feel like I have to puke. But instead of explaining any of that, you say, ugh, gross. I like cheesecake. Ugh, gross. And now you've taken that person's preference and you've been like, you know, fuck your preference. What I feel is what we need to talk about. And this is our idea about trying to get more excited, to show more stoke about what other people are excited about even if we're not excited about it. Because the fact 
that they are excited about it makes it totally true for them. It's a true, real thing that we can celebrate even if we don't share that preference. Awesome. So we got to learn to hear an implied for me in other people's words. And we need to maybe explicitly say a for me for ourselves um, to kind of clarify it. Yeah, that's a... Right. A lot of times it's it's unstated, but but sometimes when it's unstated, it's still there, but people don't realize it's there. And so that's a good way to get in the habit of, of sort of realizing that implication is stating it out loud. That for me, this is my preference, not any better than your preference, but uh, but it's just different. And that's cool. And let's be excited yeah. about more stuff. And, and that can you know, we're talking, uh, again, about music mostly, but that can extend to other parts of your life and the world until we have world peace. <laughs> world peace, world peace. Um, I took a course on philosophy on LinkedIn Learning recently, and it was fun to get some basic reminders. The course was called Improve Your Thinking, and it was talking about avoiding fallacies, um, really, you know, trying to focus on the logic of, of what you're thinking, which of course, it was interesting thinking how this is a preference for thought and a preference for communication, you know, um, but it's one that I like and it's one that I'm going to embrace and practice. And something that came up that's related to the implied for me is different types of statements we can make. Hmm. Normative statements, subjective statements, and another kind of statement <laughs> that we'll think of in one second. <laughs> and now I've remembered the philosophical concepts this relates to. Nice. So when we're talking about an implied for me, what we're talking about are subjective statements, things that are true for us individually. And if somebody else disagrees, that doesn't necessarily mean that what we feel is invalid, right? That's what a subjective opinion, a subjective statement can be. It's like, it's independent to all of us and those things can coexist peacefully if we um, choose to get interested about them and understand what other people like. There's also descriptive statements where you're really describing what's literally there. Um, my house has a door. It's very simple. My house has the best door in all the land. That's what we call a normative statement. It's making like a comparison to something else. And that's still slightly different from a subjective statement, which is, I love my door. My door is my favorite door. You know, my door is my favorite door. Subjective. My door is the best door in the land. Normative. I have a door on my house. Descriptive. These can be kind of useful things, I think, to make you think about what you're explaining to other people. Are you actually expressing, you know, totally true, observable, descriptive facts about something? And I think the perhaps frustrating truth is that anytime we're talking about an idea, we're probably not saying something descriptive, right? Um, because ideas really are up for interpretation, really are, you know, they feel different to different individuals. I'm sure somebody could point out like a exception in that. There's always going to be exceptions, I think. There must be other ideas we could talk about that would feel more descriptive. But there you go. I guess that's the facts, right? Like, you know, people always talk about what are the facts? 
I mean, generally facts are just descriptive statements, right? This happened. Um, and, yeah. And, you know, in, in news conversations and misinformation campaigns, uh, you know, people, if people can't agree on the, on what is there kind of, you know, then it gets hard to talk about normative and this is my, this is the, the best door. Well, there's not a door. No, the door's right there. There's not a door. Yes, and, and that, you've hit it exactly. You, you on the can't notes, get. Yeah. You can't even get to favorite or best uh, if you can't get past what exists or what what it is. is yeah, 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 the descriptive part. And so that I think is frustrating in a lot of conversations that people try to have. This was a big piece of advice from this course on philosophy: improve your thinking, by uh, Alyssa Lowry, who has a PhD in philosophy i thought it was so fun that she got a phd in philosophy and then made this thing as like a really basic primer that was very very accessible i think you know she graduated in 2020 she said and um she was making a lot of she was just passionate about trying to help people have better conversations which makes so much sense in our world right now we know we really need to be able to get to this what are we actually talking about we can assume that we know what freedom is this was actually Alyssa's example from the course you might talk about freedom with somebody but realize partway through that you disagree about a lot of things even though you both think freedom is good Mm. because you're not clearly defining what freedom really means for each individual wow and so her advice in your situation if you're getting frustrated in a conversation is to try and ask more questions about what we mean to kind of backpedal a little bit rather than obsessing about what we should do How do we solve this problem? Well, let's get clear about what the problem actually is. You know? Yeah. Maybe maybe we don't agree about what the problem is. Maybe I think there's a problem and you don't. That's gonna stop our conversation if we don't take care of that detail right away. Yeah, that that's great, man. It, it's so it's so complicated having these. It's not really, but we make it complicated. But uh... <laughs> well, you know what makes it complicated is our emotions. Mm. A big part of this is learning to separate thoughts in your head and feelings you have um, from observations you want to make you know it's um, not every single thing you feel is a thing you need to act on and let influence your speech right we can get kind of tense in a conversation if someone's talking about something it's like you you think you're having a casual conversation and then they start talking about some I don't know crazy theory it's funny I don't want to give sometimes I don't want to give specific examples because yeah. I don't want a person to be listening to be like that's where I talk to my friends about. yeah <laughs> and it's kind of like how do I how do we talk about these things a lot while inviting everybody in to participate mm. in the discussion part of that is hoping that people are able to regulate their own emotions a little bit. If they hear me talking about a thing that they totally disagree with, to be able to say, hey, I'm feeling a little tense because this guy totally disagrees with me, but maybe I can just like take in a deep breath, calm, keep listening, and explore more carefully like how he's defining things and how we really disagree. You're gonna have to uh, be looking over your shoulder uh, for Nickelback fans, man. There's a lot of been a lot of Nickelback bashing lately. Yeah, that's bringing us right into our exercise. To recap the exercise, we are trying to expand our preferences, and so doing some experimentation. And we each chose a, a form of music, or you know, an artist, uh, a song that we're not very familiar with, uh, and and 
listen to it uh, at least th in three different settings, three different activities to see. And not necessarily not familiar with, it's either that or didn't like or have a sort of preconception about and, and, and wanted to see if listening in one of the settings made a difference and then we'd like that music more. Um, and and uh, so we each chose something different. So go, go ahead and tell us about your listening experience. So I really focused on the song, How You Remind Me from Nickelback's, I think it's a 2001 album, Silver Side Up. I was just, as I read their biography and read about them, because I literally, I just didn't have any context for Nickelback, honestly. I would not describe myself as a Nickelback hater. As we talked in the last episode, we went to a concert and it was really fucking it was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but Silver Side Up was listed as one of their uh, kind of breakout albums and How You Remind Me being a really big hit single. When I brought this up to some other friends, they were like, oh yeah, How You Remind Me. They, they knew that song very well, even if they didn't know any other Nickelback songs. So, got a lot of radio seems play. right yeah, yeah seems right to focus on it and i listened first in the car i listened to whole albums of nickelback in the car and that was pretty fun i also listened while cooking okay um and i also listened while working while typing job applications mm. um, i find some music while i'm doing job applications really works for me because uh, yeah. it's it's a little can be a little mindless sometimes. Enter all of the information that's on your resume again into our system. Yep. You motherfucker, just read my yeah. fucking. <laughs> For me. For me, I hate that shit. <laughs> so, my favorite way to listen to Nickelback, I think, was in the car. Okay. Um, especially once I zeroed in on How You Remind Me as the song I wanted to focus on today, I would play it and then I'd just restart it. Um, or I'd listen to just the first chorus and like, practice singing it back and because I wanted to get to know the song really really well what's really unique about the way I'm going to listen is that I'm a musician as I'm listening I'm able not only to hear the words um, and hear the overall feel and sound of the guitars and the drums and the voice but I'm also hearing the notes of the harmony I'm hearing I'm hearing like the bass note of a chord and I'm hearing it move up to another chord and I'm able to then go to a piano right away and sit down and play it um, because hearing it that way makes sense to me. It's like hearing the words and knowing what they mean. You hear the motion of the chords and you know what it means. You know how to imitate it. Um, wow. I'm not going to teach you how to do that on this podcast. Oh, come on, but man. <laughs> well, maybe I will though. Maybe we can. Not, not I should today, never say no, never. Not today. Not today. Not today. Here's the big thing is that I feel like any time I do that process, listen closely to the harmony, sing the words, get to know the melody, I kind of feel like any time I do that with any song, I start liking the song a lot. <laughs> it's, it's fun. You know, it's just, it becomes fun to be a part of that song's world and like expressing it just the way those um, musicians do on the recording. I mean, we, we don't have to go too deep into this right now, but we've talked before about... Uh, you know, comparing cooking to music and kind of like a recipe, you know, what are the ingredients you need? And, 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 you know, I love recreating a good dish that I've tasted somewhere or trying yeah, to, it yeah. almost sounds like, Hey, you're, you're cooking the song yourself. And, and here's, here's Tony's version of the song. That's an awesome comparison actually, especially because recently I've been practicing some recipes more. I'll make the same recipe like five times in a row. And what it really made me think about was the recording process for mega successful bands like this. I think when you get to a level where you are not worried about, you know, paying for studio time, it's just like, because um, 
I know a little bit actually about how these deals go down because I just took a music business class nice. and an artist might get to a record label after putting out their own recording independently and the record label might say, okay, here's our contract, our deal. You're going to record four albums for us over the course of five years and that'll be how long you have to record and release music with us. During that time, you know, we get a percentage for the marketing department and the people managing you and all that stuff. Um, and so... There's a bit of a time limit, but there's also like the thought of imagining spending, what if you spent 40 hours a week for like four months, just going in the studio and figuring out how to record songs, you know, writing new stuff, probably laying down a guitar part. You go back in the next day and you're like, we need to do that guitar part again. You know, just like when I'm cooking my fried rice, I'm like, I think I need to fry it a little bit hotter next time, you know, to really get the exact texture, the exact spice that I want. I think you do that until that single, you listen to those three and a half minutes and you're like, this is fire. It's grabbing my attention. It's moving to the next sections really quickly. Other people are going to love this. You know, you're refining it over time. And you're speaking from a perspective. Uh, you've been in the studio before and, and know how much it costs uh, and, you know, pressed for time where you didn't have the opportunity to do that. Uh, right. It's why so many people learn to do it themselves because it just um, it gives you the freedom to do it slowly and to do it repetitively. Gotcha. You know? I already recorded this whole song. I'm gonna record it again in like a, with the mics in a different position and a, you know to really learn those techniques. If you're already an experienced audio engineer, you probably spent less time on that stuff. I would imagine you you got your tricks and that's what that's the other advantage you have from a person who's been in a studio for like 30 years and Nickelback comes along. They're like, okay, I'll re I'll make you guys sound good too. You know, just like I make everybody sound good. I we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about like recording and, and being yeah, in the studio yeah. at some at some point more in depth because i love stories of bands from the recording studio and like like you know the most famous song it's like oh i just i just winged that you know like in 30 minutes and you're just like oh i wrote that in the studio recorded it real quick and it's like their most famous song and you're just like what you know sometimes that impulsivity captured in a moment when you're in the studio is wonderful and then sometimes as you said it's that refinement that collaborative effort um there's stories you know going back to blink um there's some stories of the producers making them change stuff they wanted to say one thing and, and the producer's like eh, don't say that say this instead you know and and, and so, you know that's got to <laughs> right, be frustrating right, right, right. but also like what they wanted to say was pretty vulgar and like didn't need to be said you know so I'd say it's interesting. That's always a factor with really, really young artists of any kind, I think. Do you know Tyler, the creator? Um, yes. He has received a lot of criticism in his career for very vulgar stuff at the beginning of his career. Even though now he's older and he thinks he even he himself says like, ah, some of that stuff was, you know, a 17, 18 year old kid like saying fucked up shit into a microphone and and now i have a different idea about what i want my music to be i'm sorry but like you know it's out there i was I a kid i can't take right. it back it's, like yeah i'm not gonna take it back either it's not like do you feel bad about being a shithead as a teenager or is it just part of you know what our culture currently allows teenagers to do on the way to growing up i mean it's it is what it is that's such an interesting dude we could go down a real rabbit hole here but you know <laughs> allowing like because I, I am a big believer in, you know, people evolve, they change, they learn, like stuff I believed 
when I was a teenager. And, and I know we've both t talked about this, like writing songs when you're angsty in high school and you look back at the lyrics and you're like, yo, mm. that is not a, something to say. I think those songs are actually really useful to the person writing them, almost as a form of therapy, yeah, an outlet, but maybe releasing it to any old person isn't actually necessary for the therapy. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways music can serve us. And that's what we're figuring out right here is that I find Nickelback could serve me while I was driving. Let, let, let me know? ask you about that. And before, because we're going to talk about uh, what I listen to, and I also preferred it while driving. Mm. So, and, and I guess you maybe already spoke to this a bit about singing and sort of playing it again. What is it about driving, do you think, that made that the best moment? I think a huge part of it is the privacy of driving. When you're driving by yourself and it's 90 degrees in Colorado the past couple of weeks, you got the windows up, you know, so nobody's hearing me uh, try to belt out that sound and, and match match Nickelback's voice. Um, but, but, but I think the privacy of it is a big deal because if I'm sitting in a room with other people, I'm automatically going to be self-conscious about listening to a song on repeat, first of all. Um, but I also might just have to be conscious not because I think like, oh, they're going to hate me because I'm listening to Nickelback. But what if they just legitimately don't like the vibe of what I'm listening to? We're in a shared room. We have to share what we're going to listen to, too. We have to think about that and negotiate it. Yeah, I, that the, the privacy of that, the, the freedom, hey, that word again, to, to sing off key a little bit and just listen. Mm -hmm. you know, I, mm -hmm. I love when I look over on the highway or something and I see someone just jamming in their car to whatever they're jamming to. And I'm like, hey, me too. Um, and driving is also a fairly repetitive activity. You're, you're looking around, you're watching the road, you're doing yeah. all the good driving things. But all that's pretty simple at this point if you've been driving for 17 years like me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 17 years. How old are you? Don't answer that. Tell us about what you listen to. Perfect. So I have never been a big fan of The Killers, and, and I chose them because I, I've talked smack about them uh, as long as they've been on the radio. But uh, Do you remember some of the specific smack talk you would lay down? And are you talking as a teenager yourself? Yeah, and even today. You know, I think, I think it okay. was kind of like... Uh, you know, when I'm in a cab and I'm and I'm hungover because I was at a Malibu beach party, and the cab driver has on the Killers, and and I said, "Hey man, could you put on something else? I hate the fucking Killers." And then he kicks me out of the cab, <laughs> and then I, I think that's usually how it went. Are you just trying to live the Big Lebowski <laughs> as many days as possible? I'm glad you caught on. Uh, <laughs> no, I you know I don't remember anything specific. I just I just didn't like them. Maybe it was overplayed. It was just. The sound, but so so through this listening, I, I actually have some theories of what I didn't like. So their first hit that I heard was somebody told me, and listened to it while first like active listening and didn't really care for it. Listened to it while cooking, didn't really care for it. And then on the way back from Cincinnati to Columbus, or maybe I was coming from Louisville to Columbus, long drive, but I was like, oh, it's a good time to listen, and I and I put it on, and you know. I, I was digging it, and, and I think part of it... Ah. So part of what I didn't like first, um, and then we'll get to why I think I liked it while driving, but it's very... And when we okay. listen to the song, maybe we could break this down more, but it's very kind of a distorted guitar. And we talked in the last episode about how I'm 
I'm a, uh, I listen to the drums, right? Or your theory was like, hey, yes. you know, since I'm the drummer, I listen to the drums and you're the melodic guy, you listen to the melody. And, and I don't like the drum part at all on this song. It's oh, very, it's very they, kind this of is distorted. It. Yeah. It's not distinct. It's just kind of a bunch of like noise, like, you know, it's very busy, but it's not like a good like beat, like, you know, like there's no like okay. sort of, uh, I don't know. I don't like the rhythm. That's a good insight. Um, and, and so I think that was one of the reasons, like when listening back at these times, I was like, oh man, maybe that's why I don't like this. Um, but but the driving it was kind of upbeat it was a little poppy and so that's a good song for like you know keeping me awake on, on you know an alert on the road so so during that activity I, I kind of enjoyed it and then i've listened to some other killer songs some newer killer songs more recently and i forget the names mm. of those I'll, i can look them up and and i was like this is not bad and, and listen to the drum part the drum part's very distinct and uh, you know, a little more staccato and defined. It's not just all of this kind of noise uh, on all the cymbals and, you know, doing all this stuff. It's like a, sometimes the drums especially, like less is more, you know, like as a drummer, you just want to go crazy. And sometimes it's like, no, <laughs> just keep the beat, make it a good beat and then do some crazy fills, you know. Okay, the other thing that can really help us talk about music is talking about the specific elements of music. Um, a, I don't like it statement um, of course, it's subjective, and it's amazing how non-descriptive it is, right? I haven't said anything real about, we talked last time about what's actually there in the music. How do we define what's physically in this sound? And rhythm is a huge part of that. How long, how short each little note lasts, whether that's a hit on a snare, um, the, spread out, the spread out sound of a cymbal, um, whether it's the guitar, all these things. They all have duration. They're some length you know short or long and that makes up the rhythm of the song it really affects us that um heartbeats have been well known to synchronize to music people singing in big choirs sometimes get their heartbeats pretty close to each other as they're singing on the same song pretty fast that's like wild. that's a thing that you need to know about your biology right your biology is programmed to interpret rhythm around you it's like a it's hard if you are clapping a beat and somebody else is clapping, it's hard to clap a separate beat from each other. This is called entrainment, where you just automatically want to like clap the same rhythm together. If you're trying to do it separately, it'll take a little more focus. So it's a big, it's a big deal of, and it makes sense, getting more sensitive to rhythm by playing the drums is making you more sensitive to listening for it in a song. And uh, maybe so much so that as a kid or whatever, you couldn't even get past the fact that the drum beat sucked. Forget the rest of the song. The drum beat sucks. I can't interface with this, you know? Yeah, man, that's, uh, you, you might've hit it on the head because that's, it's definitely that's, that's what, I, what I felt, well, you know, listening back to this stuff. So that's interesting. Let's listen to somebody told me. We'll talk a little bit about it. Then we'll listen to how you remind me and I'll go into some real detail about singing and harmony. And, and this is a very, like, poppy drum beat. Yeah, disco. This is comes in comes from the disco world. Yeah. Well, somebody told me you had a boyfriend. Yeah. Somebody told me. 
Yeah, you did, you did that. Then I had in February of last year. His vowels are all really wide and big. Like the release doesn't do it for me, you know. I'm like blue balled by the drums on this song. February of last year. It's not confidential. I've got potential. Do, 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 do. That's cool. Um, so in high school, you were playing in a punk band with very different drum beats from that drum pattern. I almost feel like punk drummers might think of that disco-ish beat as the antithesis of the beat they want to create, you know? like Yeah, which is funny because it's super similar, actually. But <laughs> At a faster tempo, you imagine people jumping up and down and pumping their fists in the air, which I think could be a really pleasant imagination for some people and other people would be like, oh, bunch of, bunch of college kids jumping up and down in a sweaty barn, pumping their fists. Not my vibe, bro. Yeah, baby. <laughs> you know? Take me back. And maybe that's what you resisted as a kid too, is music is connected to culture in a deep way. Mm. There's, I think in high school, you are defining yourself a little bit by how you dress. That's why we have stereotypes of, jocks and goths and theater kids and band kids it feels like you can look at all these people in high school and identify who they are and maybe there's something about that identifying what kind of music they listen to based on how they dress too we might start to dress like our favorite musicians as kids we're like we look at these people we think they're cool we're like i want to look like that let's do it oh a hundred a hundred percent that happened to me i mean i got into like punk rock and like emo music and then i started wearing the tight pants and freaking out our parents yeah. you know but it's like <laughs> so so i mean a lot like lit literally probably more than in the scope of this conversation but a lot there that explains could explain why i don't like that song which i think is a very interesting explanation because most times as you said or exploration rather mo most times you just i don't like it i don't know why i don't care moving on i don't care yep you know <clears throat> not for me and i'm done with it yeah, it's a deep, it's a deep um, commitment, I think, to take time to explore this, especially given that you might learn cool things about yourself and you might just learn, you know, specific reasons why you didn't like a song. That's my last question about this. How do you feel about this song now? Is there any part of it that has changed that you like more or? I mean, I enjoyed listening to it right there, actually. I was like, do I not like this song? But but maybe it's maybe just I like it. the act of like, you know, breaking it down with you listening for different parts of the song. And, and I think like a movie, um, you know, sometimes you see a movie and you're like, I don't like that or get it. And you see it again and you're like, oh, OK, all this stuff I didn't notice the first time. And so just as you described, re-listening to Nickelback, it's just like discovering new things in the song that I'd never even paid attention to, I, I think is kind of cool. So probably every time from here on out that I hear that I'll be listening to the rhythm section and to the, you know, who knows. And analyzing, trying to, in fact, I think what we got curious about there is what is the rhythm section actually doing right there? There were so many layers and so much intricacy that we were thinking, how do we pick this apart? And at that point, when you're getting that deeply interested in something, it's almost like preference has evaporated. I'm not thinking if I like or dislike this, I'm just trying to figure out what is it? Yeah. Right. 
That's, I, I definitely think we will find that that is a surefire way to get more interested in something that we didn't like. Yeah. Well, well, like, you know, if you ever talk to someone who's kind of an engineer, they love taking stuff apart and figure, you know, how does this thing work? And I feel like that's sort of the, the good, the curiosity, the curious mindset of like, yes, let's, yes, let's yes, take yes. this thing apart, see how it works and see if we can put it back together from a musical perspective. Um, and, and that's, that's a pretty fun exercise. So. All right, let's take apart Nickelback. Yeah, what you've all been waiting for. <laughs> Nickelback, Nickelback. One more song. I bet these hairstyles are going to be great, too. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. Tony, you need to frost those tips, man. This song also has some serious dynamic contrast. I've been down. <laughs> that note's high. Look at his mouth there. Hanging your heart with breaking. Yeah, that, was, that was wide open. cool stuff um so definitely as i got into this song i would say confidently for me this is a good song i dig this song sometimes as i listen to a song i glance over at the time and i notice wow they've already gone through a verse a pre-chorus and a chorus in like 50 seconds Mm. it's like the song is a third over and they've already taken you through all these different feeling sections right through different volume adjustments starting soft and gradually building the drums don't start with the song the bass don't start with the song the bass layers in then the drums really i think they layer in at the same time actually but all those layers create a real shift in mood that can hold our attention what I thought a lot about as I was listening to is how this guy sings. Mm. And I thought to myself, I'm a singer. How can I sing this song and feel comfortable singing it and sound good singing it? Because there's his voice at first listen, I think I didn't like the way he was singing. My mm. immediate reaction was like, ah, I'm not sure I like the way he's singing because it sounded somehow fake to me which is honestly a weird judgment to make about somebody singing isn't it you can have that reaction that it's fake but like i don't know the guy's just singing what if that's just how the sound comes out naturally right i'm sure he's done some kind of practice and shaping of his sound to make it sound a way that he likes um but it's definitely i think out of out of my place to say oh well your voice sounds Sounds like you're faking it, man. Sounds like you're putting something on. I think whatever way we choose to sing is whatever way we choose to sing. If a guitarist puts a variety of different effects on their guitar tone for different sounds, for different songs, we think that that's a good choice to like bring more tone color, to bring different, um, different tones to all these different moods that the different songs might have. Why not do the same thing with our voice? And I'll tell you that my voice experience coming from studying opera at a college there the teachers i would say kind of beat into you a correct a quote correct idea of singing which of course for opera singing 
is yes, correct. Again, this is another for me, right? Is it the correct way of singing for who? For what genre? For what, um, for what kinds of performances? One of the ways we actually have more flexibility with our voices than ever before in music now because of recording technology. If you wanted to sing to a group of a thousand people um, 2,000 years ago, which I'm sure people did at times, you needed to be in some kind of acoustic space mm. that would carry your voice to all of those people. And you needed to make sound in a particular way that it would be carried by an acoustic. Okay. Um, you, what this has to do with is resonance. This has to do with changing the space in our mouth. We did a thing a while ago that I would love to try doing again. Okay. Would you sing, celebrate good times, come on. You want me to sing that right now? Sing that, yeah. <clears throat> get ready, get ready. Me, 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 me. <laughs> One, a two, but you know what to do. <laughs> Ce- oh, fuck that sucked. Let me go. <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come on. I don't. Good. Ooh, we got. Oof. We're just gonna work with that one phrase, Yikes. right? We got the. We have the pitch. It's all fine. Now you're not totally pleased with that sound. It sounds like. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like how I started. We got to try to figure out why. Why are we not pleased with it? What do you think? How would you describe the sound you made? I felt like I felt like the the first uh, coming in on the note wasn't really powerful. It was a little wobbly. Um, so the solution to that is to make sure to really think in your mind. Hmm, I've got my note. Mm. And then breathe in as though you're breathing through that very <clears throat> note. But the other big thing is think about the shape of your mouth. What's your mouth doing right now? I was like, you were smiling. Yeah, Yeah, you're almost like, celebrate, good, which can work, but you might have an easier time getting starting the note off if you bring in the lips just a little bit so think about dropping and lowering your jaw lower your jaw celebrate good times interesting yeah good now try to stretch your eyebrows up too so you're letting your jaw drop down and your eyebrows are stretching up you're creating more space inside your head celebrate good times come on it felt how do you feel about that sounded better but it felt better that sounded better to me. I think generally when something sounds good as a singer, it sounds like you are making sound easily for you, right? Mm. We, we don't really, although we might want to hear grit or a little kind of slight voice crack in people's, um, people's voices, nobody literally wants to hear your voice crack <laughs> in a song, right? We don't actually want it, right? We want to hear you sounding like you are making sound easily, right? That's the biggest mm. thing. So as I thought about this guy's sound, never made it as a blind man. Um, He's got this real quality of air in his voice. There's breathiness. There's air coming through the sound in addition to the tone. So what's the difference between tone and air? I need air to create tone. The air vibrates my vocal folds in my throat. And then that vibration is amplified by all of the space in my throat, in my mouth, in my nose, in my chest cavity. All of these spaces are vibrating and resonating and transforming that little vibration of the vocal folds into the tone that we hear, the tone of our voice right now. And you can take different tones of voice in different situations. All right, Girl Scouts, let's do 20 push-ups right now. I've got this kind of bright, loud tone to my voice to get everybody motivated to move their body. 
but I might have a tone more relaxed like this when I'm speaking to my one-year-old and convincing him to go to sleep as I gently stroke his forehead and say, it's okay to go to sleep, honey. I'm quieter. I become more resonant, too. So we can think of brightness, kind of focusing forward in the nose and in the eyes, and we can think of darkness, which is more like a yawn sound. Ah, what a lovely day. I say, anyone for tennis? Yes, that sounds lovely. So this guy's voice in Nickelback, um, as he sings, I hear some space. I hear some depth to his voice. It's not totally like, never made it as a blind man. He's now like, you know, it's not super bright, but it is a little nasal too. Never made it as a blind man. And he's letting more <sighs> air sound come through mm. with his tone. As a choir singer, as an opera singer, we would be trained not to let any breathiness come through. Never made it as a blind man, couldn't make it as a poor man stealing. That's kind of very pretty. It's very clean, right? But it's not appropriate for Nickelback's vibe, right? (laughs) Never made it as a blind man, couldn't make it as a poor man stealing. Nice. Unfortunately, I can't describe to you exactly how to do that, but I'm I'm just focusing on I'm scrunching my nose a little bit. I'm letting a little more air come through my voice. <sighs> Never made it as a blind man. Never made it as a blind man. When I do that more resonant sound, more like only tone, I'm raising my eyebrows and kind of opening up my throat, thinking of my oh, literally yawn space, right? Now I'm closing the yawn space a little bit to get to the brightness. Never made it as a blind man. So that's how I was finding that I could sing a little bit like Nickelback without trying to mock his voice. That became mm. important to me. There was a way I could sing it like, never made it as a blind man. <laughs> Couldn't make it as a poor man. Yeah. This is how this you remind me. You know, I feel like I could overdo it and, yeah. and that would be maybe a funny impression. And people would be like, yeah, that is what Nickelback sounds like. But it's not exactly what Nickelback mm. sounds like, right? Um, He's not trying to mock anything. He's just trying to make a sound that feels appropriate for what's in his head, for the creation of this song. So let me sing a little bit of this together. Okay. Um, When we get to the chorus, we'll talk about the harmony and we'll sing this melody a lot because this melody is also a part of the song that I think is super, super cool. Okay. Um, Just the shape of the melody. First of all, um, never made it as a blind man, couldn't make it as a poor man stealing. We're starting on the root of the, um, the root of the song, the C. Never made it as a blind man. It's all centered around that C. Nice and high too. I would say this guy has a higher voice than I do. Right away at the beginning of the song, I'm like, I would start it lower <laughs> because my instrument is different, right? Yeah. Um, then as he goes, though, he keeps getting higher and higher. This is how you remind me of what I really am. That I really am. That's the highest little bit he's done so far. Mm-hmm. So in this pre-chorus, the next section of the song, getting a little bit higher. Then he starts there and keeps going higher for the chorus. It's not like you say sorry. Um, Now we're getting to the highest note on sorry. One other thing I love about this song, sorry and story rhyme because they're from Canada. I'm I'm sorry. Not like you to say sorry. Was waiting on a different story. Those words legit rhyme because they're from Canada, which I just think is kind of neat and cool. Yeah, it's like this is how I talk. Right. This is literally how we say sorry in Canada. So that's great. That's like a thing I feel like you could make fun of them for because for some reason Americans like to make fun of Canadians. I think we're jealous. I think there's a bit of jealousy there. Yeah, yeah. Then he keeps going higher, right? Um 
This time I'm mistaken for an in you a heart worth breaking. Just this shape of melody also I think is really cool. There's this big leap down to go up one note and then leap back up where we came from. This I, and I love surrounding one note by taking these leaps in other directions. It's just a very, I find it a very fun thing to listen to. Again, it's, this song keeps taking me on a journey and holding my attention the whole time. He's not repeating anything too much for my taste, you know? Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, you know, comparatively, again, just to last week to Blank, where it's like, you know, uh, efficient as you described it it's an efficient it's song, efficient right? but, uh, that's what i like about this it's efficient it's doing a lot in, in not a lot of time yeah yeah then he leaps to the highest stuff and i've been wrong i've been down to the bottom of every bottle and um there's a way that note kind of feels too high for me but there's also a way that i feel like i can sort of squeeze everything i sort of narrow my throat so i just have to squeeze out one tiny little note and i've been down i've been wrong to the bottom of every bottle and then i can open up a little more on the lower Mm. part right i mean it sounded pretty good there you go Don't, don't make me sing that today <laughs> I won't. that's the thing if i was going to make you sing this song i would actually take this whole key and move it way down so that you could do it in a place that made sense for your voice that reminds me of a discussion we had uh recently of just your your instrument is different you said that earlier your instrument is your different. voice your body is different And so yeah. like if you're trying to cover a song um you know, being true to the song doesn't necessarily mean playing it in the same key. It's like, you, you know, you want it to sound good for your instrument. Um, I have a saxophone for a windpipe and someone else has a flute. You don't try to play yep. it in the flute range or whatever, you know. Right, right. Got to make those adjustments. Now, what the chords do in this part, I find very exciting too. We've taken these chords from going um, C, F, which we could also call one, four, one, two, three, four, one, four, and then we go to seven, and then we go to three. One, four, seven, three. But then on the chorus, we switch. We go one, three, seven, four, one, three, seven, four. Been wrong, I've been down to the bottom of every words in my head are we having fun yet yeah now there they go back to the original chord progression are we having fun yet one four seven three which kind of has the effect of automatically chilling things out I find there's something really aggressive and powerful about going from one to three um, because I think we're going from the one to the three, this minor chord that we lined up earlier. As opposed to going down to the four. One, four, seven, three. Even if I play it hard. from one up to three it's an aggressive powerful assertive thing Mm. so it makes sense to make that change right at the chorus right we're saying something new is happening here something more intense is going on 
man. So yeah, just with all those little picking apart those details and thinking about it all, it made me think, I like the way this song is constructed. I want to try to construct something this nicely. It really fits together well, you know? Talking about preference, a lot of people like that song. I, I like that song. And so, you know, how much of how much of that song construction did they know is this this is about to be a hit or they're like i really like this let's share this and then it becomes a hit you know i've read that the lead singer of nickelback did extensive study for a couple of years that he in his own words uh, well i'm not this is not an exact quote but that he listened to as many songs as possible and just started making lists of everything that he thought was making the song work so he was deliberately trying to copy elements from other songs in his songs to make them as popular as those songs and I would imagine things you can pick apart here are like, I got from a verse to a chorus very quickly. I bet he thought about that carefully, you know? Also, I, I do think the technique of having four chords and only using those four chords, but using them in a different order throughout the song, that's super, super common throughout tons and tons of pop music. Mm. It's very effective. It's kind of effective uh, rhetorical strategy. If I'm going to use phrases with you, it might be nice to introduce you to those phrases and then reorder them and keep reiterating them throughout my speech. Um, that's why we will have the strongest economy that America has ever had this decade. And when we take steps to create that strongest economy that we'll, that we'll ever have, you know, it's like trying to approach mm, those same ideas in a different direction. It leaves us with familiar thoughts, but it's trying to develop them and uh, hear them in new contexts, right? Interesting. That's my, that's my theory for why that works. If you have four chords, I'm going to change the order. Oh, I really, this fits together so well. If you're ever thinking, what would go well with this chord progression? Well, probably the same chords but just slightly out of order it'll it'll sound nice is that a is that a subjective statement you just made yeah it is you know it, even that needs a for me right i think well you especially said because i, I do why this works so i introduced that at the beginning but but yeah, yeah you know implied in that is for me but uh i think it's why it's working for me i think this is why this works for there, me there, there you, <laughs> you know this may not work for everybody but What's interesting about music, too, and any art, is that we will simultaneously be judging it based on what we instinctively like, then on what we view other people liking, too. Other people liking stuff is a part of what we choose to like. We want to like the same things as other people, generally speaking. At other times, we want to separate ourselves from people, right? One of the questions you brought up in some of our discussions are, if I go to a concert, of this musician <laughs> and I see other people and the way they look and the way they're dressed. And then I think to myself, we all like the same thing. Am I like these people? Um, are you sometimes having a slight, you know, negative reaction to the way you're like, oh, all these, all these people are wearing girl pants again. Like, sure. I did that as a kid, but come on. Um, I, do we lose, we might lose patience as, as we grow up for like other kinds of, forms of self-expression and i think you and i are very much after you know trying to be conscious of that and erase it if we can to be like no nah, that's just the way they're yeah. expressing themselves i am like these people and that we fucking love this music we can wear different stuff and love this music together yeah what well, well said and, and i'd say that experience for me is in the minority most times at concerts love the diversity 
love uh yes. you know good people watching or like you know you're just talking to random people between the the show and uh, between sets or whatever and it's just like man what a, what an interesting vibe uh where you get a, a very eclectic group of people in in the room um but but yeah as you said i've had those reactions where it's like whoa what does this say about me and and that identity in music well i think identity in music and what music is important to you People sometimes think that certain music is important for the world, too. I think sometimes you can listen to a song and think, everybody needs to hear this. You want to share it, right? And I think a big part of that can be words, probably is words, especially if you are not as versed in analyzing all the chords and harmony of a song or all the rhythmic structure. You might latch first onto the words. And this is going to be a big subject that we will talk about next time. And I have an idea for an exercise we could try to like tune us into words because both of these songs that we talked about and listened to today are worth exploring the lyrics a little bit. Yeah. Because I will say that when I've analyzed this and some other Nickelback songs, I would say the lyrics are probably some of my least favorite part of the music. And yet I think I admire the craft that is going into the lyrics. I think they are choosing words in a very particular way to, I almost think that Nickelback is choosing lyrics that are trying to stay out of the way of the overall experience of the song. They don't want to put any idea in there that's like gonna stick out that much, you know? That depends on the song though too. There are some songs from their later albums where it's like, oh, that's that's pretty bold yeah. <laughs> right there. So next time we'll definitely talk about words. And my idea here, my exercise actually has nothing to do with words, I'm realizing. So we might have to talk. Let's talk about this right now. Right. What I wrote down is like you could try to notice when other people, if you're talking in conversation, notice when somebody else is not stoked about the preference you just shared. Mm. Notice when you, and in fact, but this will get us centered on words anyways. We're trying to think when I say, um, hey, have you ever read this book or have you heard this band? Um, how does that conversation go down? Is the person reacting with ignorance and curiosity or ignorance and kind of like, I don't have time to learn to, to engage with anything new, man. I already got like six books I'm reading. And um, how are they reacting? How does that make you feel about the thing you were trying to share? Um, when is it an awesome reaction? When is it less than awesome? I think that's what we're trying to focus on is how do we, how do we make people more excited to be excited about what they like? No, I think I think that's a great exercise. I'm looking forward to sharing some results with you. What musically do you want to hear right now? I want to hear you sing uh, Nickelback like Sinatra. I think everything needs to be Sinatrified. This was a good point that I forgot to bring up. Everything needs to be Sinatrified. You're right. When Sinatra sings, he's much more often sustaining notes. Talk about rhythm. Almost every single note in How You Remind Me is very very short like a quarter note or an eighth Not a single one of those notes was like 
held out super long. So if Frank Sinatra sings this, remember our last song. I've got the world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string around my finger From gur of finger to the eye that comes in, he's holding all sorts of different notes. So in order for Sinatra to sing this, I feel like we have to give him a chance to hold some notes out, which is not gonna sound like Nickelback, I'm warning you. So here we go. So let's see if we can, I think we also probably have to change the harmonic language. There's something about this spacious power chord that wants to move on to the next mm. chord, right? So if I'm gonna hold notes for a longer time, I might need a richer chord. I might actually do something that's gonna, this could sound cheesy to some people, but this is gonna be a little more Sinatra style, right? What about like, um, yeah, we're gonna add like we're gonna add the third, and we're gonna add the second, which is right next to the third. In fact, let's even add the seventh. Let's add a bunch of notes. Never, yeah. So, but now I need to make sure that I'm not doing like modern, da -da, modern pop isms, because yeah. Sinatra wouldn't do that. He would just hold it, and you know, could go down. He would be very tasteful. I was about to say tasteful, and what the fuck does that mean? Tasteful right? for it, you. Tasteful for Frank Sinatra. For him. <laughs> right. This is how... Now, automatically I was doing a little bit of the breath, a little bit of the grunge. Sinatra doesn't do that either. He just goes all bright. So let's also put this down a step okay. so that he can sing it a little more casually and full, right? Uh, there it is. This is how... Yeah, here we go. Ready? This is how... Of what I really am. This is how you remind me. Oh, now the other thing Sinatra loves to do is we actually need to get like a better kind of jazzy um, rhythm to this, a better pulse, and then he will delay or anticipate notes, sing them like before or behind the beat in order to make it sound a little spicy, a little, little. That's how he gets color and flair. Not by da-da, not by turning around the notes like that, but by delaying and anticipating mm. things. So I'm actually gonna start giving this a swing rhythm, ready? I actually need to be a little further ahead of the beat. So we try it. This is how you remind me of what I really am. This is how you remind me of what I really am. There, I had a chance to, I really am. That's a Sinatraism, right? That'll. It honestly becomes hard in my mind to really make it work, right? But that's what we'll that's that's what we'll keep trying to do. I, I can't wait for you to listen back to that because I thought <laughs> I mean, what a, what a great uh, mental exercise. How would Sinatra do this? It's, I think you it's a it. fun, nerdy thing, yeah. Well, thanks, brother. Thanks for talking today. Beautiful. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to Philosophically Sound. We'll see you next time. Rock and roll. I hate the fucking eagles.